talk sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. I'm Chris Horwardale, joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu? Chris, it's been a while. How are you? Yeah, it has been a while. How are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. How's it going with you over there out west? Oh, you know, can't come. Actually, you know, I, I'm going to be an absolute uh, a- absolute insufferable jerk right oh. now, which I know is, uh, is so far away from what I normally am, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we've got, we've got some problems out here and they are very like first worldy. You wouldn't consider them problems, but it is, uh, it's November, November. Yeah. This is, a, this is coming from the future. It's February, February 18th. And, uh, we have not had rain in California in over two weeks. I don't believe we've had rain in February. This it, to people who don't live in California, this sounds great. It's it's oh cool. It's not raining and you know it's it's 70 degrees and you're wearing shorts and it's February. Oh, wonderful. Not wonderful. Uh oh. we need rain. Winter is when rain comes in California and rain is what stops wildfires from being terrible. Uh-huh. So I have a genuine concern that we might be done with rain for the season in oh, God. God, our, our last rain would have come in January. Uh and I can only imagine uh, and I don't want to imagine how bad wildfire season is going to be this year if we don't get anything uh, anytime soon. There is no rain in the 15-day. Oh. None. And oh, typically boy. typically rain stops end of March, early April for us in, in Northern California. Yeah. So we really need rain. <laughs> uh, back east, my my buddy was complaining that he's like, "Oh, it's been terrible. It's in the 40s and it's rained and poured all week." I would kill for that. Would you really? Yes, <laughs> a, for a week, for, for not a week. more than oh, that. Okay. okay. But for I, if I could have if I could have a week where it just rains nonstop, oh, I would take it in a heartbeat. Because you know, you've seen for yourself when you yeah, were yeah. here when you were here last year. One, uh, you know, there was a, a major fire near Sacramento. And two, I think you were probably surprised by the fact that when you look around, every all the grass is brown, everything's dead. It's very and uh, and that's going to happen earlier and earlier this year. And uh, you know, it's we really need rain because uh, fire destroys. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah, I thought that last <laughs> year was the most extreme that we'd see for a while, but it's uh, yeah, it's a great point about it needing rain in the off season because you know the reality is in the summer it's just not going to happen. So. Yeah, no. but when we drove, we flew to Sacramento on our way to Tahoe, and it was like, I mean, I, I compared it to Arrested Development, where it just looks like everything is dead. It's just like mm-hmm. straw. I mean, and it was, you know, you fly into California, you're expecting one thing, and you get a very different one. So, yeah, it was, it's noticeable for sure. I mean, you see it every single day there, I'm sure, in the summer. Yeah, if you're in California, at least, you know, obviously there's a, there's exceptions to this where it's closer to the water and there's moisture, but... If you were in California, I would say in the the last four to six months of the year, everything's going to be dead. Mm-hmm. The, the grass will be brown. The mountains will be brown. Uh, and yes, it is very much, I, I say it's basically just kindling. And I'd prefer that not yeah. happen because 
typically it rains a lot in the winter and uh, we have not gotten that. And it, it's, you know, I, I know logically it's hard to complain because using, using Sunday as an example, you know, it was, it was 72 here. And I know it was something like it felt like it was negative six in Chicago for the all-star game. Oh yeah. It was so cold here. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a good and the bad type situation. It's just that the, the good is more of a convenience and the, the bad is a horror. Yeah. I, well, so that, that was like the worst day we've had this entire winter, which is knock on wood. It's been amazing, actually amazingly temperate. And, but it, it was, yeah, that was like the worst weekend. And, you know, like every single person was tweeting about how f- incredibly cold and it snowed. You know what it's like from being in Philly, like when it snows mm-hmm. and then freezes over, melts a little, freezes again. And it's yeah, it was it was not a great time of year to come. But uh, I think that Chicago did a pretty good job overall. Other, you know, failing the actual uh, weather that they couldn't control. Yeah. Well, since since you and I have spoken, uh, a ton has happened. We have a, a new Super Bowl champion. We have a, a new league that has taken place, major trades in basketball and baseball, and football free agency coming up. It's uh, going to be a jam-packed 25 for, uh, or so minutes. <laughs> I'm glad here. we spent a bunch of time talking about the weather, though. That's oh, really it's funny. important to catch up and, and let people into our lives. I feel That's strongly true. about that. Uh, but... Oh, where to where to start? I, let let's start with the XFL. This has been we're now two weeks in. Week one a rousing success. Week two a little bit of the uh, the luster came off in terms of the ratings, which was certainly to be expected. What's your take on the XFL through two weeks? I you know I think that it's evident for any NFL fan that watches the XFL that this is the best non NFL product we've seen of all yeah. the failed leagues, including the first iteration of the XFL. I mean, I thought. You know, like there are obviously it's not quite the level of play, but it does feel pretty NFL-y. Like, I mean, you just look at the line play and, you know, the defensive play specifically. Like, I think that it's been pretty good. I mean, it's it's not as sloppy as I expected. Um, I think that there's a real I don't think I think there's real juice. And I I love the Mm. timing. I know we've talked about it, but like the timing of the league was just so perfect because people are already itching for football. And it's, you know, between the combine and the end of the NFL season, there's just such a lull. And I think that, you know, especially given this year's college basketball season, where I think that Mm. it would have been otherwise on the weekends, taking a lot more attention away. Like, I mean, the XFL has been front and center, especially the first weekend. And I think that that's been you know, it's been good and the rules are really interesting. I, I'm not sure how much staying power it has without the players, but what it is right now, the product, I've, I've been very impressed. I'm not shocked because Oliver Luck is in charge and it's not like a Vince McMahon product really as it was the first time around. So I've been impressed. Yeah, I actually, I sort of compare the XFL to the big three where in that first season is more of a proof of concept than anything mm, else. And I yeah. think concept has been proven at this point. I do think they're going to start to get a little more aggressive with, you know, the recruiting of college players, uh, which is something they yes. do in the AAF wouldn't. And, uh, and also bringing in higher level, you know, I guess NFL street free agents. The, I do think there's something here, you know, eight teams now, I think we're going to see expansion in the next couple of years. I'm pretty bullish about this. And I've got to say it even more so than the NFL, it's the most interesting football viewing experience that I've ever seen because of, uh, you know how interactive it, it can be. You know, it, talking about interviewing players on the sidelines, talking about specifically the stuff with the officials, which is is just wonderful. 
you know, getting to listen to officials make a call and understand why they're making the call that they are is great. Mm-hmm. You know, the announcers being smart enough to just shut up and uh, and <laughs> let us hear what's going on in the huddle for plays is awesome. I love that. I, that's my favorite we, part of the game. There's just access to the game that we would never have anywhere else. Uh, and uh, some of this stuff really should be uh, at least thought about being implemented by the NFL. The one thing that really jumps to my mind and I think was the uh, sort of the most popular change week one was the kickoff rules. Where are you on the kickoff rules? I, I mean, obviously they're trying to help preserve player safety in some way ways, but also, you know, encourage the, I, I mean, they're trying to speed up the parts of the game that the fans in the NFL clearly don't like. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that they're trying. I mean, I think that some of this stuff is obviously a little outlandish. The kick, I mean, I, I think that it's a good idea. I think that's probably the lowest hanging fruit that the NFL has that they can bring right. over. I mean, they're not going to do the three-point conversion thing anytime soon. <laughs> no, but, no. like, you know, I like the idea of it. I like the idea of basically taking kickers out of the game, um, you know, especially on extra points. And so, yeah, I mean, there's still, like, a level of conservatism with the coaches. You can obviously tell, but, um, but I think that they'll slowly adapt to it. And I, I think that... You know, I didn't take this in a different direction, but I think that that speaks to like the personalities, not just recruiting certain college players, but like I think they need to do a better job with some of the coaches. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. want it to be a fast track league. You don't want it to be arena league, but you want it to be, you know, up and down. You you want to provide an alternative to the NFL. And I think that their best avenue to that is to get more aggressive coaching and one, you know, that take advantage of the unique rules, like the two forward passes and that sort of thing. I've been disappointed a little bit with that, like lack of um, exploiting that inequity, I think. Well, I think the biggest issue that the XFL has had in that regard is the lack of high-end quarterback play. Mm. We saw the, for the first time ever, we saw a player throw for 300 yards and that was Landry Jones in his first game. And otherwise he was, I don't know, kind of mediocre. Yeah. when, When you talk about these quarterbacks, the guy that stands far and above everybody else in my mind is Cardell Jones, and it's sure. only a matter of time until he's back in the NFL with him showing what he's showing. Past that, you know, it's guys like Jordan Tayamu and PJ Walker and and Josh Johnson and Brandon Silvers, and this just it, it's lackluster. I I know. I mean, Matt McGloin was out there. Looking oh, terrible. Okay. I mean, Aaron the, Murray too. Aaron Murray looks. Oh, absolutely terrible. But I think some of that is Mark Trussman, which is kind of getting back to what I said. You know, when, when this league started, I was like, how is Johnny football not in this league? How is yeah. like Kaepernick, you know, Tebow, just throw money at some guys and see what happens. Um, you know, and I still feel that way to a certain extent, but I also respect that. And again, I get back to Oliver Luck with this. I respect that they're trying to keep the integrity in some ways of the sport and not just make it like a complete, you know, entertainment, basically wrestling. But I, that being right. said, I mean, I, I do think that there are, um, you know, there are players, especially ones that recently removed from college that would be well served being in this league. and It would help the league as well. For sure. And, you know, Kaepernick is a guy who everybody talks about, but there's a giant obstacle there in that the average salary in the XFL is $55,000. <laughs> yeah. Colin Kaepernick asked for $20 million to play. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's crazy. But like, just think about it from, Let's not talk about him. Let's say Johnny Manziel. Um, yeah. You know, oh, I love Manziel for this. I think like he would, maybe he doesn't take that low, but you, whatever you pay him, say it's, 
I'd say it's $2 million. Like it would be worth it just because of the ratings that it would get. And what if he's good? Then you get it for more than a week. You know, you, that just keeps paying itself off. So I just think there are guys like that, even like, you know, there are lots of older court, like Vince Young. I mean, I'd rather see those guys get out there than like Matt McGloin or, you know, Aaron Murray. Yeah. Well, Vince Young's got some problems, but I I certainly agree with the, the idea of what you're saying. So, I don't know that you have to pay Manziel that much more. I looked this up right now. Manziel's contract in the CFL included a $122,000 base salary with a $10,000 signing bonus and an $18,000 housing stipend. Hmm. So I don't know that we're actually that far away. And he got cut from the CFL. Yeah. It seems like you don't have to pay him more. And if he wants an opportunity to come play football again and to prove that he's still an, uh, you know, an NFL-level player... This is an opportunity because this is going to be a springboard for guys to get NFL chances without a doubt. Yeah, no, I, it's a great point. Yeah, you're right. He could probably do it. He could use the money. And yeah, he's not doing like commentary or anything. So why not? Can you imagine? Okay, first of all, we we need to make this happen. We need to start doing like Twitch streams or li- or YouTube streams or whatever with Johnny Manziel commentating games. Oh, absolutely! I, I will I will pay him fifty five thousand dollars. Be like Shia do LaBeouf that. doing the uh, the screenings of all his movies. What was that when he was like sitting in the theater? Have you seen that? No, I have not seen that. Oh man, it was great. Um, I'll have to look it up. But yeah, I think that that's that's what he should be doing. That's what Johnny Manziel should be doing. Just make him the face of the XFL, even if he's not playing. And don't you like talk about? In the XFL, everyone being mic'd up. Don't you just want to hear Manziel in a huddle? For sure. Oh, my God. And I, by the way, I know we just touched on that briefly, but that was really, I really like that. I, I didn't think I'd want to hear it, but that's been the best part of the league, I think, is like the interviews and the and really the play calls have been really fun. Yeah, unbelievably cool. But you're right. There there can be upgrades all along uh, the uh, the XFL landscape from from players to coaches. And I do think we're going to see that next year as, as this is now, this is now more than just a joke because it's tough to get past that, uh, that, that idea of what the former XFL was. And it was very much a joke and it became an even bigger joke over the, over the passing years. They had to fight that uh, perception to get people involved. And I think that now we've seen, this is a legitimate football league. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think so. And again, I think the next step, is going to be yeah the rules are important whatever you we got to get better players like better quarterbacks mm-hmm. specifically higher name bigger name quarterbacks guys and um you know i i mean i was talking to somebody else about this but i like we see rj hampton and you know and lamella ball and those types like they're you kind of alluded to it but this mm-hmm. this needs to be that option for players who don't want to play in those bowl games who want to get paid and you know want to be featured because like the first few guys that do it are going to be on a massive stage for the whole oh, yeah. of Oh, no question. And we know from following the NFL draft, as long as we have, like, shit happens to guys in college. And oh, they yeah. uh, they become ineligible, and then they become really interesting options for this. Yep, for sure. Like, anybody ever interested in being a supplementary pick, this should be your avenue. And, I, yeah, I think that it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. The last thing on this for me, it, like, what I feel like the XFL has tried to get the NFL, you know, they've kind of acknowledged the NFL's existence, but they're obviously not sponsored by them. So I'm interested, like, I feel like there's an opportunity for the NFL to use the XFL in some ways, but they're kind of positioning themselves. The XFL is as like a competitor in some ways, which I think is, I'm not sure that's the right avenue. 
Well, this is kind of similar to what would have been the NFL AAF dynamic, where Mm -hmm. the AAF was basically just waiting for the NFL to come and say, hey, why don't you be a minor league for us? Yes. And to the point where it was such a fundamental part of their business plan that the league crumbled because it didn't happen. Right. Right. That's that's absolutely true. And it's because we talked about the minor league stuff, too, a couple of weeks ago with baseball and um, I guess months ago. But it was, you know, like we're seeing the possibility of funding, you know, leaving those minor league teams. And so, you know, going the opposite direction is something I'm not sure the NFL is going to be interested in. Yeah, I, I do wonder. I know that the XFL has said that they're open to college players playing, but they're for safety's sake, it feels like there does need to be some minimum age. Yeah. Because, okay. you know, who is to say, like, you know, whoever, there's a really interesting quarterback battle at um, at USC this year with uh, Slovis and Bryce Young. And so let's say Bryce Young comes in and wins the job as a true freshman, which I think is completely realistic. And Keaton Slovis wants to go play football somewhere else and he wants to get paid for it and the XFL is an option. Well, he's, you know, 19 years old. Yeah. That's, that's, a teenager is playing against grown men seems like a foolish idea. Like you can kind of justify it. It's the, the 99 cent versus $1 psychological barrier. Mm-hmm. You can kind of justify it when you're 20, but at 19, <laughs> it's just the guy's just feels like he's going to get hurt. I, I don't disagree with that, but I guess this goes to a philosophical question of like, what does, you know, how much freedom does a person at 18 generally have? Like, can they, you know, and, and I mean, I think that can they go and just say, you know, we feel I know I assume the risks involved yeah. and I'm, I'm just going for it. But, you know, there's a couple there are a lot of things at play for that. I think it'd be most interesting for what you're talking about, which is a, a guy who loses a camp battle, doesn't want to waste a year in the transfer portal, decides to right. go play and get paid. And, you know, and how amenable the NCAA, I think I'm pretty sure the NCAA wouldn't allow you to come back. Right. Like, cause it'd be, Oh no. Cause you're a professional. You've made you're money. Professional, right. So it would be interesting to see that, but like, especially for seniors that are, you know, that can't do anything, but tra- you know, they can't transfer. They're done. Um, if they lose a camp battle, you know, this, this becomes, I would think an option for them um, to like raise their stock going into the draft. So I think it's a really interesting idea. Somebody's got to break the barrier, but I do think that we're going to see a, re- a relatively significant name within the next couple of years. I agree. I think next year. It's uh, super exciting, and it's just it's going to be fun to see where this league goes. Uh, I, I definitely would be into a uh, a Philadelphia XFL yeah, team. I'd I think be that's super my biggest that. issue. I don't have like a geographic tie. Yeah, you do have to just kind of randomly pick a team at this point. Right. And so for now, just watching the games has been fun. But like, you know, at some point you're going to it's going to be like kind of like baseball in that at some point you've got to pick, uh, you know, like it's going to I would think that it's going to become niche as far as like who watches each game. And I and that's the other piece, by the way, is like getting ABC and ESPN and like Fox to do these games has been such a boon for them that you don't have to go Mm. looking down your dial at like, you know see i don't know fox sports one or whatever the case may be so it's it's nice for them that they have that agreed all right uh like i said tons more to talk about let's get to the the giant baseball trade mookie Betts goes from the los, uh, los angeles goes to the los angeles dodgers from the boston red sox along with david price uh, in exchange for alex verdugo who has a fairly significant uh, significant back injury right now Jeter yeah. downs and connor wong what'd you make of this deal 
Oh man. Well, you know, so much goes into it. David Price, that the money being exchanged, like I'd go back to a trade that wasn't brought up a ton, which was that, um, the Angels send Zach Cozart out his salary, mm. essentially, along with Will Wilson, who was their first round pick last year, just to get the salary off their books. And that, to me, was a precursor of, you know, how much dollars truly mean, um, you know, especially yeah. an extended amount in the MLB. And to that end, I mean, like, if we're talking about that small of a salary in Cozart, which I think he was making like 14 million maybe a year, um, mm-hmm. you know, being worth a first round pick then like I, I mean i think that the the amount that is owed to david price specifically being shipped out along with the money the money owed to mookie bats and the ability to get under that luxury tax is like it's just i mean it makes sense that they didn't get as much as you know you would think for a guy of bats's ilk and so i mean verdugo is a, a really interesting prospect pretty similar to benintendi i think they have already but mm-hmm. like getting five or six years of control with him, plus Jeter Downs, who is, you know, was a key piece to another trade that the Reds made with the Dodgers. I, I mean, I think that they did pretty well, all things considered, given the precedent that was set in that Cozart trade, to, at least to me. But like on the other end, obviously the Dodgers are an unstoppable force with these pieces. So I, I mean, right. it's they if they don't win the championship, it's going to basically be a fluke, I think. Yeah, they managed to do this without giving up either of their top two prospects, getting one of the best players in baseball and taking on a, a large uh, majority of the contract of uh, sort of a washed up pitcher at this point who right. they just hope to revive. So great deal for L.A. You uh, you have to be you have to be excited if you're a Dodgers fan, not excited about how long this whole thing took to take place. And yeah, uh, the okay. stuff with Kenta Maeda was was pretty crazy, but yeah, it, it is done now. And like you said, teams value a clean cap sheet. Look look at what happened a couple of years ago in Houston. I know we're changing sports here, but the, the Texans give up a second-round pick, which ended up being, I think, the second pick in the second round to get rid of Brock Osweiler's contract. Absolutely. We see it in the NBA all the time. Um, yeah. yeah I, 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 especially in baseball, where if you can reset your luxury tax, especially for the, for the team like the Red Sox that can go crazy – in future years, I mean, they basically looked, it's crazy to think of it this way, but they looked at the landscape. They said, all right, we have probably the second best position player in baseball. We just, you know, we're, it's only going to be a rental. We, we'd be pouring everything into one year. We're going to get nothing for him when he leaves next year. So let's just take what we can get. And I mean, it's, I think it's interesting that they did it now and not later on in the season, but they obviously wanted to tie David Price to it. And that, I, I think it repositions the Red Sox for subsequent years where they'll be more competitive in the AL landscape and, you know, and they'll be able to spend the way that they want to spend the way you expect the Red Sox to spend. But I know it rubbed out a lot of people the wrong way because, you know, if the Red Sox are cutting salary, like who, who else, you know, and then everyone has to. Right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to talk more about baseball in the coming weeks as we're, uh, you know, I guess by the time we talk next week, so we will have uh, some some baseball spring training games yes. have been played already. So that's really exciting. I want to I want to talk about this Astros situation. I want to talk about uh, quite a bit in uh, in, in baseball, but we're going to get to that in uh, next week and in coming weeks. A lot of recaps. Let's talk the big basketball trade that happened. Uh, let's talk D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins. The uh, the Warriors trade D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Amari Spellman to the Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins and a first round pick. What's your take on this? I mean, I I think that the 
the Wiggins piece is obviously super interesting. We've talked about Wiggins more than like almost any sort of irrelevant player in yeah. in the last few years. And I I kind of understand what Steve Kerr is saying when he says like, look, we don't need Wiggins to be, you know, the number two pick, the key to this deal. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he just needs to be play a role for us when we have all our guys healthy. But, you know, next year is when they're going to have all their guys healthy. And you have to wonder, I mean, they, they are not paying him a cheap amount. And so when they signed D'Angelo Russell, I doubt that their hope was that they would get a first rounder in a terrible draft. Although, wait, is it's a 2021 uh, first, isn't it? Uh, um, so it's heavily it's heavily protected. The Timberwolves 2021 pick protected top three, unprotected in 2022. Okay, so they wanted to avoid this terrible draft. They insisted on the 2021 draft, and yeah. then they got Wiggins for Russell. I mean, I think that that's that's pretty good. But it really, I I, I mean. I think that it was almost an admission that that Russell signing was kind of a mistake in my mind. I don't know if that's how you read it, but I, I think they always viewed him as an asset. I think this was always what was going to happen when, Did they, when they picked up the Angela Russell. I think right. so. I, would you rather? I mean, you know, if Andrew Wiggins gets a lot of crap around basketball, but he has turned it around over the last couple of seasons, averaging you know, he's averaging twenty two point four before he gets traded from Minnesota. Shooting forty-four from the field and uh, only thirty-three percent from three, but that's yeah. only six and a half attempts. So you'll take it in Golden State. Granted, the the smallest of sample sizes, he's playing great. Uh, you know, he's averaging twenty-three points a game, shooting fifty-three percent from the field, and uh, along with four assists a game. Kerr's right; he doesn't need to be the number one pick in the draft. He just mm-hmm. needs to be a better version of Harrison Barnes. And if if this team gets healthy, if Curry is healthy, in which by the way, Curry's talking about playing this year. I think that's crazy for a oh, lot yeah. of reasons. Yes. And Clay Thompson is back. If these guys are back to full health next year, along with Wiggins as a third option and Draymond as going back to just a glue piece and a top three pick in the draft, maybe a guy like James Wiseman, I don't see any reason this team can't compete for the Western Conference next year. I completely agree. I mean, I I agree with that totally. I, it's funny you bring up the name Harrison Barnes because I, I that was immediately who I thought of as fitting a certain role with this team. I just don't know. I just don't know how Wiggins is going to perform in those big moments. And he, I mean, he is still so young, you know, like, I mean, yeah. he's played oh, the yeah. league forever, but he's, he's only 24 years old. Right. So like, and I, yeah, about, about to be 25 in, uh, in five days. He is a oh, baby. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we all know how talented he was at Kansas They're coming into Kansas and all that. And so, yeah, I mean, if they can, if they can tap into that at all, I think that it's great. I just, I wonder about, I, again, they signed D'Angelo Russell for a reason, um, and it was to trade him. Obviously, everyone knew that, including Kerr, basically said it. But, like, did they get what they wanted for that money? I mean, was it a prudent decision in retrospect? I think it, it – I mean, we'll see what that pick ends up being. But if the Timberwolves are durable next year, that is going to look like a genius move. I, mm. I'm, I think that Wiggins is going to fill a specific role on this team, but it's not – it's not going to be worth the money probably that he's getting paid. And again, like, yes, Curry, Clay, Draymond, they're all awesome, but they're also getting up there, you know, especially Draymond looks like a totally different player this year. And, you know, Curry's injury history is just undeniable at this point. So it's a little bit, mm-hmm. I think it's going to, it's, it's, it hinges more on Wiggins being good than I personally would be excited about going into the season going into signing D'Angelo Russell, knowing you were going to get a trade for him. Like I would have hoped for a little more. 
I wouldn't be unhappy with this if I'm Golden State. I really wouldn't. I think this is fine. I think, you know, Wiggins has started to figure some things out this year. He's been a much more efficient player than he has been in the past. He looks like he's tried to play defense a little bit. I have no problem with this. I think he's going to look really, really good just running the break and you know running into the corner for uncontested threes in Golden State. I, you know, if he's able to shoot threes at a clip better than what he's shown um, to this point, I mean, it's a home run, obviously. I agree with that. It's just, I just haven't seen it. But like you said, like, I mean, I just say again, if you had that money that they allocated a max deal, basically to D'Angelo Russell, would you also tie that, like basically flip that money into Wiggins in a first when, you know, Golden State is one of the banner franchises right now that any young player would want to play for in free agency. I mean, do you, you know, we just talked about keeping your cap sheet clean. Like to me, I would probably, as a, if I was Golden State, I'd rather have kept that cap sheet clean um, and just been ready to pounce on someone other than Wiggins in a first. But I think that it could work out really well. I hear you. But at the same time, it was found money. It's not like this is going to be money that was available under the cap. This was a sign and trade. Yeah. So, ah, good point. That's right. That's so this is if you don't spend it on Russell, you don't spend it on anything. And so I'll take this the, is the Durant uh, return. Exactly. I'll take yeah. the I'll take the asset over nothing. Uh, mm. Super quick before we get out of here, I want to hit a couple of football things. Uh, I don't want to really talk about it too much, but it just happened. The Eagles have released Nigel Bradham. Not a, a big shock. It's been a starter uh, since 2016. They save a little bit of money for a sort of declining veteran. Uh, a veteran who is not declining all of that much announces he's going to return for the 2020 season. That's New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Are you at all surprised Drew Brees is playing football next year? No, not surprised. But I think that it's it sets off the dominoes. There were two big pieces that needed to go. We know Rivers isn't coming back to the Chargers and now we have Breeze and now we're just waiting on Brady and then I think we'll we'll have a better feel for how all these uh, musical chairs get filled. Yeah, Brady is going to hit free agency for the first time in his life and that's uh, that's pretty crazy. Also crazy, Jeremy Fowler reported today that Teddy Bridgewater, speaking of the Saints, uh, expected to have a quote strong market in free agency and could land a multi-year deal. Oh my God. Paying him around $30 million per season. Is there any chance Teddy Bridgewater, with this this unbelievable talent pool of quarterbacks this offseason, is going to get $30 million a season. If he is, uh, I want to be his agent. That I mean, yeah. or meet his agent and have him be mine because that is, that's crazy. I mean, you could argue he's not even good enough to be a starter with all the moving parts, you know, next year. Like, I mean, we've gone through all the names, but you could easily see a scenario where there isn't necessarily a starting spot for Teddy Bridgewater next year. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oh, for sure. So yeah, we how... did our little rundown and I don't know that I think Bridgewater might've been left, uh, left standing as the, the music stopped. Right. Right. Exactly. I'm, I'm so interested. I've, we've never had an off season like this and we, you and I pegged this early in this season where so many balls are up in the air. And that was before it was even remotely realistic that Brady might not come back. So Throwing him into the mix makes it so much more interesting. And yeah, I'm I'm gonna I mean, is he even gonna be likelier to start for a team than his own backup quarterback in Taysom Hill? I mean, if you mm-hmm. who you believe. You, franchise quarterback Taysom Hill? Could be. I mean, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> but someone might. I think he's thrown nineteen passes in the NFL, but uh, yeah. It's he's an interesting option. All right, last thing and well, I guess 19. I guess if 
if Teddy Bridgewater is going to get $30 million, this contract almost makes sense. Uh, the uh, Arizona Cardinals re-sign one-time draft bust DJ Humphreys to a three-year extension worth $45 million, 29 of the guaranteed. Uh, this guy, again, colossal bust for years and years and years, got healthy, played okay last year, started all 16 games for the first time, but PFF still only had him as uh, number 58 of 81 qualifiers at tackle, and he is now going to make $15 million a year and be the third highest paid tackle in football. I, Love tackle. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I would assume he's going to play left tackle again, yeah. Um, you know, I think that it just kind of opens doors for the Cardinals at eight because if DJ Humphreys hit the market, you got to think that they, they're not re-signing him and, you know, maybe he goes for about this amount and then now the Cardinals are basically bucketed in to needing to draft the tackle. I still think they should, but... This yeah. opens up doors for them to either draft C.D. Lamb or somebody else at eight. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's absolutely absurd that this is what D.J. Humphreys gets. But it's it's good to be a young left tackle in the NFL, that's for sure. Yeah, this is a really fun time in football. We're going to have the Combine next week uh, and uh, all kinds of NFL offseason activity. There's this growing sense that Tua, now with a clean bill of health, could be the second pick in the draft. And uh, and actually, the the Redskins have the potential to undo that disastrous trade they made so many years ago to uh, to get Robert Griffin and now do the same to another unwitting team. Do you think all when it's all said and done, and uh, we'll, we're going to get out of here in like thirty seconds? When it's all said and done, who is the number two pick in the draft? I think it's still Chase Young. I think that okay. Rivera is just so obsessed with building out from the D line, and you know he had Julius Peppers for a lot of years. I, I think that that's going to be that's going to be their move. But I, you know, if they're smart, they should do that. Cause like, if, look, if you trade down from two and there's a growing sense that, you know, I, I think that we've talked about this, but you get, you know, you get the quarterback at one in Burrow, you get the, let's say the quarterback at two is Tua, and then someone trades up for Herbert to make sure they get him. I mean, Chase Young could end up being the number four pick in this draft. So I agree. Not, not out of the realm that they trade down from two and still get the guy they want. And the team that is in the absolute best position here is the Detroit Lions, who all oh of a sudden God. find themselves either with Chase Young falling to them or with this draft pick that is now way more valuable in trades. So good times in Detroit. You just need to not squander this opportunity, and that is anything but a foregone conclusion. <laughs> That's going to be it for this week's episode of The Underdog. For Achikana, I'm Chris Horwell. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.